order. The time is 6.38. Um, Linda, would you please take the roll? Yes. Uh, Chair Chisty. I am here. Trustee Green. Here. Trustee Chung. Present. Student Trustee Villalobos. Present. You have quorum. Great. Um, I am going to turn uh, go to the land acknowledgement, and I'm going to ask student trustee Villalobos to read the land acknowledgement. Yes. Land acknowledgement statement. We acknowledge that we are on the unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramatushaloni, who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula, as the indigenous stewards of this land, and in accordance with the, their traditions, the Ramatushaloni have never ceded lost nor forgotten their responsibilities as their as the caretakers of this place as well as for all peoples who reside in their traditional territory as guests we recognize that we benefit from living and working on their traditional homeland we wish to pay our respects by acknowledging the ancestors elders and relatives of the ramatish community and by affirming their sovereign rights as first peoples Thank you, student trustee Villalobos. Um, Lynn, let's go to the next. Um, Linda, do we have any comment for items not on the agenda? Yes, Susan Buckman. All right. Um, this is time number three, but now we have our final uh, trustee. So in front of you is something that's printed from the February 16th regular board meeting, February 16th, 2023. And this is the Oculus contract. So this is actually an intent to renew a contract that was first made in 2019, renewed in 2021, and now attempting to renew in 2023. And you'll see that there are two items grouped together in orange. Now, the one in blue is the 24-hour help desk. The one in yellow are other positions, and those are the positions that um, I would argue should be filled by classified employees. So the fact that they are bundled together is really a problem because if people are saying that you have to fill the 24-hour help desk with classified employees, that's impossible. Nobody wants that. So if you can separate these, renegotiate the contract, the 24-hour help desk can be contracted out, no problem. It's the other positions that should go to meet and confer. And those are the ones that are the uh, objects under contention. So hopefully somebody can go back and renegotiate these contracts. And just because it's renewing old contracts doesn't mean that the original contract was good a good idea or the renewal was a good idea. It was it was a problem then and it's still a problem now. And just because it's gotten through twice does not mean that it should be allowed to go through again. So send the positions to meet and confer and approve the 24-hour help desk. Thank you. There's no further public comment for items not on the agenda. Thank you, Linda. Okay, um, approval of minutes. Um, do I have a motion to approve the minutes? Moved. Second. Mo moved by Trustee Chung, seconded by Trustee Green. Um, Linda, any public comment? No, there's not. Great, can we please take roll? Chair Chisty, excuse me, student Trustee Lobos advisory vote. 
Aye. Chair Chisty? Aye. Trustee Green? Aye. Trustee Chung? Aye. The motion passes. Wonderful. Let's move it along to item um, 4A, oh, um, which is, wait, this is a facilities master plan that's on there. Um, it should be the faculty hiring procedure. Uh, thank you, Chair Chisty, and I will uh, briefly pass it over to my colleague, President Sapienza, who uh, deserves a huge uh, note of uh, credit uh, and our appreciation for really guiding a process that was long overdue in many respects. We have had a faculty hiring process that was going on uh, a few decades old. Uh, so taking a look at the process uh, was done through a, a wonderfully collaborative approach uh, involving many different stakeholders and partnership between the executive council, uh, the executive council leadership, uh, faculty, and representatives of our human resources department, among many other individuals who participated along the way. So I just wanted to provide that runway and, and introduction to this item. Uh, and just thank President Sapienza for her dedication and uh, great work uh, to present this to the committee this evening. Thank you. Great, thank you. And I apologize, President Sapienza, for not recognizing um, you earlier since you are a member of the committee or a part of the committee. Thank you so much. Um, thank you, Chancellor Martin. As, as uh, Chancellor Martin noted, this was a highly collaborative effort. So if I could take a couple minutes just to set some context, give some overview about our guiding philosophy as we revised and then some of the notable updates. Um, so on your agenda, you have a resolution that was passed on April 26th at the Academic Senate Executive Council. This was the third read of the council. Um, but before those three reads, um, it went through lots of different uh, iterations with lots of contact from a lot of stakeholders at the college. Really quickly, just to give an overview of what this faculty hiring document is, um, it's uh, basically on paper and an agreement between the Academic Senate and the Board of Trustees. So, But in the spirit of the document, it's really the governing, um, governing document over faculty hiring procedures and a collaboration between the Academic Senate, Human Resources, the Department Chairperson Council, the Equivalency Committee, the Faculty Position Allocation Committee, and um, really, uh, and our, our AFT 2121 bargaining unit and, and all those who contribute to the hiring of faculty, both part and full-time at the college. So as we began to review the document, um, the guiding philosophy for the revisions was really centered on diversity, equity, inclusion, anti-racism, and accessibility. We were following through with some of our own commitments as the Academic Senate to affirm our core values uh, in racial equity and practices uh, in hiring and retaining faculty. Uh, we updated, uh, focused on accuracy on current practice and name changes. Um, and ultimately it was time. So this version that we revised, the original was last published in 1991. Uh, to give you a sense of how old that is, this is when the, we had two separate academic senates, one for credit and one for non-credit. This is also when Michael Jordan was at the peak of his career. And if you're not a basketball fan, go Dubs. Uh, then imagine the year, the same year when the, the World Wide Web was launched. So it's time. It was time. Process very quickly, uh, we began tracking revision changes in June of last year. 
uh, from August 2022 to April 2023, we had consultation and input from leaders in human resources, department chairperson council, uh, the faculty position allocation committee, equivalency committee, all the groups I have, I've already named, AFT 2121, uh, and the academic senate executive council. Um, and then some of the notable changes, let me catch my breath. I got nervous telling jokes. Um, so we updated names, uh, things like uh, changing affirmative action references to equal op employment opportunity. Uh, our human resources department was mentioned as a personnel office, so we updated uh, some of that. We had some gender neutral language that we uh, inputted. We added hyperlinks for any folks who were reading the document who might want to learn more uh, about things like Assembly Bill 1725. We're also intending to link our updated EEO plan when that's ready to the document. Uh, we also included some specific language to incorporate DEI accessibility and anti-racism overall in the document. Um, and then we also added some specific language uh, that we uh, are using as an option to include in job descriptions. Um, and then as a very quick aside, uh, to date, we've already been including this DEI accessibility and anti-racist language in, um, to date, we have 30 faculty job descriptions that have included that language, 15 administrative job postings as well. Um, we looked at the hiring committee composition. Uh, so some innovation in the revisions is that we have now included classified staff seats on faculty hiring committees, as well as student seats on faculty hiring committees. I will say with the caveat that we still need to build infrastructure to support uh, those uh, members of those committees, but it's actually very innovative and forward thinking, uh, especially in relation to work that's happening at the state level. Um, and then finally, we clarified uh, equivalency processes, our FPAC uh, position allocation committee processes, timelines, uh, and processes between departments, committee chairs, and human resources. Thank you. Thank you so much, um, President Zapienza. Before I open it up to my colleagues for a discussion, Linda, do we have any public comment on this item? No, we do not. Great. I will open it up to my colleagues. I see um, Trustee Chung. Um, thank you, Chair uh, Chesty, and and thank you, um, President Sampienza, for this. I, I I've worked with you before, so I know and how 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 collaborative your approach is, and I really appreciate the the depth of love and and time and sweat that I'm sure has put into this document. I do think, um, and I'm I'm hopeful because of the last paragraph on you know the board's contribution and, and possible revisions to the the um, faculty hiring procedures. I'm I'm actually hopeful. Um, that perhaps if there's some way for, for us to slow the timeline for approving the document, just for an example, I think um, while cultural responsiveness is discussed in section one um, philosophy, and again, in section three development of job announcements, there's no mention of how we measure this among applicants anywhere in the document. And so I'm hoping that we can actually really, really plug that in. Like, for example, I feel like the interview section is only two paragraphs long and that's, um, you know, just reflecting on actually some of the data that we're going to go over later um, from the presentation from ABC Star, um, it's it's clear that um, 
at least from from the small sample size that comes through, right? Um, when our right when the amount of individuals who apply is diverse, like it's still a diverse body that is able to continue forward. What is what it seems um, for at least a handful of administrative positions that is, is in that report. But I I'm hopeful that you know we can really. Um, hold our institution to those values by really putting them down in black and white in that document. Thank you, Trustee Chung. Anyone? Okay, I I will um, chime in as well. I also want to thank you for all of the work that's gone into this. Um, I think I think some of my comments are similar to Trustee Chung's um, sentiment, and it's. Um, when I first read the resolution, I think I wanted some data. So then um, ABC Star's uh, presentation was, uh, or that document was really, really helpful in helping us understand our demographic composition. And really like where I think I'm coming from is how do we, how do we as a board um, help move the needle? And what role um, how can we better facilitate this process? And so um, I, I also think maybe just a little more time would also be helpful. I think some of the things that I had were particular to the faculty hiring document. And um, I wanted to understand, I think there's a mention of for like at a minimum, it's 40% um, by race, ethnicity. Like how did we kind of come up with that percentage? I don't know if you want to like chime in or. Sure. Yeah, that's dictated in um, the EEO uh, guidance that we have through Ed Code. So mm. this is all language. A lot of the specifics about the committee, uh, underrepresented groups on a committee are uh, governed directly by Ed Code. And like it has like it. I can't remember the language, but is at a minimum. So like, could we go above that mm -hmm. if we chose to? Um, and I'm wondering if we could change the minimum in in the language in the hiring document. Like, I don't know. I guess I'm trying to like kind of figure this out, but without like overstepping all of the hard work that's gone into it. But that's kind of where I was coming from when I was reviewing it and looking at it. Yeah, I, I think that this document is really geared to more of the operations. Um, it's it's meant to be a little bit general because so many of our departments require different approaches to hiring. Um, but the basic composition of committees and the process that equivalency goes through, things like that, the things that are constant are really embedded here. Um, I think there's also a difference between um, letter of the law and then really promising practices. Mm -hmm. um, and so, um, you know, there, there is, there are some things in the works. I think we just received sort of unofficially um, received an EEO grant to mm -hmm. continue the work that we've started here. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm really excited to get this feedback because this is something we can apply as we continue to work on um, other things with hiring. Um, I think the other reality, at least with the specific uh, composition of our hiring committees, is that we uh, 
we do put a disproportionate burden on our faculty of color to serve on these committees. So while we need representation, we also need training and uh, work to uh, so that all members, regardless of their lived experiences, are committed to uh, diversity, equity, inclusion in, in their roles as hiring committee members. And that's also a part of some of the future work that we hope to do. Uh, so I don't know if that that helps clarify, but I do I, I do appreciate the feedback. Thank you. And I, I think I was just also reading a report from the state chancellor's office about how can why have community colleges not moved the needle enough in, in terms of achieving diversity in faculty and um and and staff. And I think there was some mention of something called cluster hiring. Um, I haven't looked in, you know, briefly read about it, but I don't know, is that something that would be vetted and then incorporated into the hiring document? Is this a space for it? Like, or I think procedurally, like we're, we're just hearing this item and, um, uh, yeah, again, like, I don't know exactly how to weigh in, in this without, um, like not having to, I don't want to set anything back <laughs> or hinder a process. <clears throat> uh, certainly, uh, Chair Chistine, I think that this was uh, intended to be a introductory uh, presentation and we'd be more than happy uh, to bring it back, uh, but also uh, take it to uh, hopefully the full board next week, uh, pending agenda approval where we could potentially prepare between now and then to respond directly to any questions uh, that uh, committee members may have. Uh, but this is certainly an opportunity for feedback and input and, and not necessarily uh, a definitive decision uh, is not needed at this time. Okay. Um, I I see Trustee Green. You yes, want to thank you. Mm -hmm. I, I have a couple questions. I'm looking at the part-time hiring procedure. Um, and my first question, it says when a position is open, um, the position it must be offered to individuals in the pool in order of ranking um, following the full-time process. But in the full-time process, it says individuals aren't ranked until they're interviewed. Can you explain that to me? Because I, I don't understand. I'll try. Okay. And hopefully someone out here like ABC Star, who might be more expert, um, should I just let you? Thank you. Thank you. So <clears throat> when the part-time, when they hire, they they rank them. <clears throat> in, in, when they put the committee together, then they rank the candidates. So we make sure that the first ranking is selected and down that. If there's some reason that the part-timer cannot take the position, then they move to the next candidate. That makes sense. Um, I think my question is, full-time no in a in a part-time instance there it says they are and i'll read it when a position is open the department chair must offer positions to individuals in the pool in order of their ranking and i'm trying to figure out how you're ranked when you're in the pool so first of all we send out the job announcement mm -hmm. and so then when they interview when they interview all the candidates that applied for the part-time pool then they rank them Got it. And okay. so then the department chair selects them by how they're ranked in that part-time pool. Okay. So 
once you're in the pool, you've already been interviewed. Yes, you, you've already been interviewed. That's correct. That's what I was trying to You've already been interviewed and you're ranked. Got it. One through whatever the number is. Okay. And then there's also some specialties and they're ranked. Okay. Um, second question. I hope I'm not, I'm not trying to stump anybody. I'm just trying to figure this out. Um, the department chair decides if new part-time faculty are needed in the department. Um, this would be based on the contingency of budget, correct? Okay. All right. That's right. Thank you. Okay. Um, so I guess uh, my my question to my colleagues are, um, do we want to discuss this item further in committee and as a result um, would be amending, I think, the last resolved clause or do we feel comfortable? I personally, you know, I think just seeing how many meetings went in to just developing the hiring document, I feel that we we as a committee may need more than like 15 to 20 minutes to review this, but I will defer to my col uh, colleagues about what their thoughts are. And Trustee Chung, I think in particular, raised the issue, so. Yeah, I, I, I guess, um, I mean, that was sort of my question to President Sapienza, um, and and thank you, um, President, uh, no, <laughs> Chair Chisty. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I think, um, because because so much of this work, I feel like uh, it, it's difficult to conduct this work during the board meetings when we have so many things that um, we, we need to pass. And this is sort of like the really nitty gritty details of the wording and the languaging. And so um, I don't know if maybe a handful of trustees right three or less can can work with you or um, any of the other members of the academic Senate who are, are working on this document and for us to get down to brax taxon. Yes, absolutely. Um, more than happy to to uh, to convene with anybody who's interested. Um, and I also have lots of documents, track changes. So if you're interested in seeing, you know, the very detailed evolution of the document, um, I can provide all of those links. Okay, great. So we will revisit this item and perhaps we can, um, less than three trustees can also collaborate with you and um, proposing some more feedback. And um, this item, I'm assuming then will be heard again in Student Success and Policy Committee uh, SSP and will not be going to the board on the May 18th. So I just wanna make sure that everybody's clear and okay with that. And that doesn't hinder any processes. Great. There's not. <laughs> I see you. Great. Thank you. Any further discussion? Yes. Well, I, I um, first of all, I, I wanted to thank uh, President Sapienza for all the, the work uh, behind the scenes. Uh, I know as a, a student leader and other student leaders have been able to work and be able to, to see the work that goes behind it. And so uh, intentional. Uh, so I just wanted to highlight that. And um, and this is the, the type of work that we need in order for us to update our risk or update a lot of the stuff that's been outdated. And and so 
having several eyes and and including several spaces is a is a big uh plus so th thank you for that Uh, thank you, Chair Tristan. I just wanted to uh, make uh, a comment in respects to the ongoing work uh, on this document is that as we continue to work uh, over the summer, and I just wanted to make sure uh, I provided this context that it will require, uh, obviously, engagement from our faculty who may not uh, be on contract. So we will certainly uh, make sure that we follow any contract language uh, to uh, ensure that the faculty who are working off contract uh, as we move this forward are properly compensated. So I just wanted to make sure that there's not uh, an expectation that uh, faculty or anybody who's not on contract uh, be engaging uh, in this uh, without proper compensation. So I just wanted to add that for the record. Can I just yeah just say thank you yeah. to everybody? And um, as as I told our academic senate executive council when they asked for a third read. We've, we've waited over 30 years. Uh, we can wait a few more months. We want a we want a perfected document, one that we can all get behind. So I think any collaboration. Um, I will also add that as my term as president ends, the leadership on the, this might change, uh, but I am all in. So I will play uh, play a, a, a sub uh, sort of a co co chair or, or a second on this. So I'm 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 very very open to and and welcoming of further conversations. Thank you. Great. Thank you. Thank you again for presenting this. And this is something that I know we as a board are very interested in and definitely want to support and are excited to see this and um, just would love, really, really appreciate your work on this and excited to collaborate further. And so on that note, um, getting into some of the data and stuff, which I'm really excited for is the next item, um, I believe, which is for B, EEO and diversity hiring and, re and retention, we have ABC Star. Good evening. Thank you. Um, Board of Trustees, Chancellor, administrators, faculty, and classified staff, and students, if they are here. First, I want to um, uh, say, you know, we try to give this report once a year um, and let the public know, you know, what our composition of our all of our employees looks like. And the goal is to, over the last, last year, the board did adopt a resolution on diversity, equity, and inclusion. And we were very happy with that. And the Academic Senate and other organizations in the college supported that. Uh, one of the things that I did mention in the goals that we had for the coming year was the update of the faculty hiring document that you just uh, were presented to by uh, Mitra. And so we've, we've tried to update this document over these 30 years. I, I want people to know that it wasn't just laying dormant. We did want to update that. So we're very grateful to Mia, Mitra and the Academic Senate for working on it because it needed to be updated and it hadn't been for such a very, very long time. So thanks. Mitra, we really appreciate that. And we do hope that we can get this document into practice because they, uh, for a long time, we were not able to have administrators or students or classified serve on faculty hiring committees. So this is a, a big step 
and and we're we're very excited about this and would like to see this happen. Um, so some uh, um, you've got the document up there. I know some questions came in about certain things, and I can go over those when we get to them. Um, but we can start with every year, every couple of years, we try to do this, but we were not able to do it as much during the pandemic. But uh, this is the our, our report of, of what we've been doing in terms of our employees. Um, we did hire a uh, dean for um, grants and resources this spring. So we're happy about that. And, and that person has been uh, working with us and helping us. So um, where would you like for me to start? I don't want to go page by page, but if you have questions, uh, I can answer them. Um, perhaps you could just kind of, for the public as well, perhaps we can kind of um, just go over the race, ethnicity, makeup of our administrators, faculty, full-time faculty, part-time faculty, or just kind of um, that table, just so that the public can okay. uh, hear the demographics and understand the demographics. Okay, let me get my glasses. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So the first the first chart is internal versus external. One of the things that, as Mitra said, we applied for this grant. And one of the things and one of the question was, do you provide opportunities for internal staff? So we did this chart, the first one. Uh, uh, here you go. Um, this one. <laughs> we did this chart so that we could show that we do give uh, chances for our internal staff to be upgraded, classified, and faculty. So that's that first charge there. That was one of the things that they asked for in the grant we applied for. And then if you look at the next one, uh, full-time hires for 2021, 21, 22, 22, 23, this is just to show what happened over that time. Now, one of the, one of the questions that came in to me was what does recruitment versus settlement mean? And the question is, if uh, employee works over 67% in, a, in six, six semesters, they will receive a full-time job. And that happened. And so five of those individuals received a permanent position. So that was the answer to that question. Um, the next shows the part-time faculty fall 20, and then spring 21. It just shows uh, the hires we had during that period. And then it shows the part-time uh, spring 21 and 22. And then it shows the part-time hires for fall 22. And then it shows the part-time hires from spring 23 as of March 31st, 23. And the next section is the classified hiring. We're, we are much more diverse, as you can see, in terms of our classified hiring. We're able to recruit more diverse candidates. And then it shows classified 
full-time hires uh, for 7120 through 63021. The next one is uh, part-time hires uh, 7120 to 63021. And then position movement. Position movement is when there is an upgrade inside the college, when someone receives a higher position or moves to a lateral position. So that's what that means, position movement. And then for classified new hires, 7121 through 63022, that's the next one. And then full-time hires through 721 through 63022. And then there's one big sheet that shows uh, classified part-time hires, which it was one person. That's why you see that color there. And then we show the new hires from 7121 to 63022. Um, and then the last one, I, uh, well, next to the last, is classified 7122 through 63023. And this is what we've hired this year. And the very last one on that section is full time classified uh, data from 7122 to 63023. And then classified part time from 63023 to 7122 to 63023. And the last section is the movement that we've had from 7122 to 630 to 7123. And that's if they move from position to position. And that's, um, and then the next section uh, was they ask about the screening. So if you look at this first sheet here, it will give you like a, history of those sheets, um, trustee, that you couldn't see, that's so small. And we're gonna try to update that. We weren't able to go through and change that today, but uh, the person that does these charts will do that and I will present it to you next time. But if you look at this big sheet here, it's that data that's on those. And basically we're looking at the number of people that applied for the position, ones that we determined met the minimum qualifications. Uh, it's, it's this one um, here, that, that one. And uh, uh, the one that met the qualifications. And then step three, when the positions were given to the various committees. And then the next step is the first level interview and then the hiring process, step five, and then finally, who was recommended for hire. And so that is all of those small ones that are so small that you can't see that well, <laughs> but uh, we will present that for you next time in, in a larger format. And then the next section is uh, the composition of the screening committees. So we wanted to make sure uh, you can see uh, the compositions. Some people uh, serve often and some people don't serve as much, but we try to make sure uh, the committees are diverse. And then the last section is kind of like our employee data. That's what we look like today. And what I did try to show on this particular sheet is what we looked like in 217 
and what we look like to in, in uh, 22. So it shows the difference of that. And then this particular sheet shows what we look like in 22 and what our student composition looks like in 22. And then... <laughs> You're lost. Okay. So 34 and 35. <laughs> 34 and 35. Yes. So that's what we look like in 217, and then it shows what we look like in 22. And then the next slide did a small comparison, what we look like in 22 and what our student population looks like today. And then the next slide is the composition of our administrators in fall 21 and our full-time faculty in fall 21 part-time faculty in fall 21, and all classified in fall 21, and the full-time classified uh, in fall 21, and part-time classified in fall 21. And then the next, the last few slides are what our administrators look like in fall 22, what our full-time faculty looks like in fall 22, and the part-time faculty, classified, and then full-time classified and part-time classified. And what I tried to do at the very end is show where we recruit. These are the places that we recruit. Um, and you know we do a lot on the community college registry. And then the last sheet is some of the things that we, we're trying to do. Um, establish and maintain a rich, diverse workforce in an ongoing process requiring continued institutionalized efforts, including establishing reporting measures and accountability by leadership to monitor equity goals and outcomes in hiring pools while in progress, a commitment to workforce enhancement, including working toward a welcoming campus environment, and put in place a mechanism for feedback, continuous feedback establishing a comprehensive diversity framework that promotes social justice and equity throughout the college. Um, and these are some of the things that we've implemented. Hopefully uh, you just went over the improved hiring document that Mitra presented. We're hopeful to put that in practice um, in the fall. And then recruitment. recruitment. Uh, we have recruited full-time faculty positions beginning early in the fall so that we have a chance to advertise widely and make sure we get very diverse pools. 
Um, and HR will continue to work with departments in advertising, posting, making sure that we advertise where English professors or math professors and where diversity candidates look for those job announcements. That's what we want to do. And then uh, thanks to a collaborative effort with diversity and the Academic Senate, we did receive that grant. We called it the Humanizing Grant. And so that's our goal to go over all of our hiring practices uh, for faculty, administrators, classified, and do whatever we can to increase our underrepresented recruitment. And so we also did implement the training and we know we, know we need to improve them, implement bias training. And we also need to include, uh, we implemented the, <clears throat> excuse me, the diversity rubric where we kind of can review and look at what applicants experience with diverse candidates and working in diverse environments are so that we'll know we want them to come here and work in a very diverse environment. And um, we also are trying to, years ago, we had a uh, diversity uh, mentorship program. So we're hopeful to implement that program back. And uh, our other plan is to put back the Grow Your Own program later on. So, and then on professional development days, we want to make sure that we do implicit bias training and all kinds of things to work to improve our diversity hiring and equity and inclusion. And that's that's our goal for, for next year. And also work uh, with all the constituents in the college to make sure we can improve our diversity. Thank you so much, ABC Star. Um, and- Oh, before I forget, yeah. uh, one of the things that stuck with me last time was uh, Tom Toprano, he was on the board. Mm -hmm. He said to me that the Hahn document, I think he was in elementary school when that, remember? So I was like, okay, we really have to do that this year. So my heart is really special to meet you for looking at that because when I got up to present this report and he said that, I was like, wow. <laughs> Now that you say that, I remember him saying that at the <laughs> at the board meeting or the last yes. board meeting. We we gotta let him know. So, so we have to send it when yes. we get it all done. We will. Um, thank you so much again. And before I open it up to my colleagues for discussion, uh, any public comment, Linda? Okay, great. So I um, want to turn it over to um, student trustee Villalobos first. Uh, Anyone else? I see um, trust, uh, VP Martinez, Trustee Chung. All right. We all we all in the game. All right. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, thank, you, thank you for the presentation and, and the information. Uh, there's a lot of it, a lot of data collected. So that's that's wonderful to see the data and and compare. Uh, I have a few questions. Um, what happens when we have, uh, you know, we're, we're really focusing on DEI and when polls open up for particular job jobs what happens when we don't have we don't when we don't see uh DEI within those polls before even before it even gets to the interview process because I, I do sit on on committees where sometimes I don't see that as as right. as when I sit on committees right so sometimes um we sometimes we re, reopen the job from the beginning. If we see the pools are low, we'll reopen it before the committee gets it. And then if it goes to the committee and it's not as diverse as we would like to see it, 
um, you know, sometimes they want to move forward and hire, but we do try to reopen it. And that's why I say we, we look at where we advertise. And overall, the last few years, our pools have been smaller for positions. Yeah, I think that's problematic when we see pools that are that are not diverse, the diversity included in there. Yeah, I, I wanted to ask um, at the that first main chart, the the one that you presented with uh, total administrators and so forth. Uh, there's a big disproportionate of diversity in in administrators. Um, but uh, my question was as far as like Pacific Islander community. Um, I, I see two sections that I don't know exactly how it's broken down in the Southeast Asian and the Asian uh, categories. Yeah. So, but but then um, but then tracing back to page thirty five, there is a clear uh, there is a clear difference from like Southeast Asian and Pacific Islander folks. So there's two categories. So can you can you so, walk us through that? So we have a people admin system for applicant tracking. When you apply for a job at City College, you apply through that system. And that system, we have a lot of information in it. But in some of our systems, Banner, we don't have that information. So recently, we included more information where we broke that out. And some of that we can go back because when individuals are hired or selected, they fill out an ATRIS form and they do state more information on that form. But if we don't have it, we can't do this. But what the person that works on this, and a special thank you to the human resource staff that put this report together, they did try to go back and add some of that data. That's why you will see it on some of the charts, but you won't see it on the other. And that's Letty Sasso, so she does try to do that. But not all of our systems have all the information on there. Okay. Well, well the, thank you for the clarification. I'll go ahead and yield for now. Awesome. Um, VP Martinez. Thank you. And uh, thank you, Clara. And thanks to Letty for getting a lot of this work done. I know you've uh, both worked here at the district for a long time. And I also want to commend you on the years of service and your consistent uh, dedication to improving uh, the uh, diversity of our faculty and staff. So thank you for thank that. You for that. Mm -hmm. I, I have a couple of comments. One of them has to do with something that I've heard on the steering, steering committee of the trustees for DEIA. DEIA, yes. And more than one person, including people who, one person who is in charge of HR in a Southern California district has mentioned the cost of being a minority in a college when you are called on, when there are so few of you and you're called on to be on so many different committees so that there's representation on those committees. Correct. Uh, and I'm more, more than bringing it to your attention, because you know that, mm -hmm. I wanted to bring it to the attention of this audience and of this board, that when we have a few of any um, uh, group um, who are employees at the college, things fall more heavily on them because more students look to them because they see, see somebody who looks like them. They're asked to serve on this committee, that committee, and the other committee. And in addition to that, they have to do their jobs. And so that's a real cost 
for, for people of color, uh, whether male, female, or whatever. So, and the second thing that I wanted to um, comment on is one thing that stood out to me was something that was provided in the um, online material. The full-time faculty hires fiscal year 2021, 21, 22, 22, 23. I look at the graph and I look at the chart and I see that there, for those three years, there were zero Latinos. And that's of concern to me because I wondered what is the representation nationally in the state and in San Francisco? And it turns out that looking at census data for 2010, and I'm sure, and this was just very fast uh, okay. kind of uh, a look. And I'm sure there are people in our research staff who could do a better job than, than me. Uh, so, uh, Latinos, Hispanic or Latino, are the largest ethnic minority in the United States of America at 16.3%. So that's a large pool of people, potential people. In California, Latinos in, according to Cron 4, that's where I got that data from, were 39.4%. And I know that is, that is growing because I remember hearing 15 years ago mm -hmm. that 50% of the people in the kindergarten classes in the state of California were Latino or Hispanic. And so, and then I looked at San Francisco. In San Francisco, Hispanic or Latino are 16%. So in reflecting on this, I think that we need to do a better job for diversity overall. But I think this is one particular population that we really need to be aware of. I think the other small, smaller populations we need to also be sensitive to. Hawaiian, Pacific Islanders, those populations, to make sure that they are represented in all levels at our campus because of the students who come to us. Mm -hmm. The students, there, so much of the student success depends on peop seeing people who look like you. Last night, I had the privilege of attending the Puente uh, uh, um, reception mm -hmm. at Mission Campus. Uh, it was a, a scholarship awards. And almost all of the students mentioned the importance of the teachers and the counselor in that program. And I think if we looked to the students, we would uh, broadly, we would hear that that's really important for all of our students. So I'm uh, highlighting the Latinos here because that happens to be, I'm, I'm both uh, Chicana, uh, I'm Mestiza, which means I'm both Latino and identify as indigenous. Uh, and so I bring this to our attention as an institution to say, we need to work on this as an institution. We can't point fingers at any one individual or any group of people. We need to make a commitment. So as a member of this board, I'm making that commitment to help in whatever way that I can as a board member or as an individual. But I would ask that the rest of our institution do that, especially where we have um, have uh, groups that are so severely underrepresented or who should be more represented among our ranks. So thank you. And uh, I know, Clara, that you have been, um, you have been uh, dedicated in that aim over the years, and it's not an easy job. So thank you very much for all you have done and are doing. Thank you. 
All right. Thank you. And I just um, want to give trustees an update that we are at time, but if it's okay, if we go a few minutes over. Um, so hopefully that's, I'm going to just do acclamation by nods is okay. Great. Um, Trustee Chung. Um, thank you, Chair Trustee. And, and thank you, um, ABC Star for putting together this report. Um, I remember the first time I saw this report was um, was probably back in 2019 when I was part of the diversity committee in in, in our PGC system, and um, so I've had some time to and I know right this is only three years worth of data um, in here, and it's incredibly difficult to work um, with with such a small um, data set right when it's only right a handful of of hires that you're looking at and so. I I think I want to start with you know something that we all agree with is that right the the systemic systemic impact of of racism and other systems of violence at play is is very real um and it is a lot of hard work right trying to address that so I I I want to acknowledge that is true um I think there's one layer of this is that um because I know as a board, we're trying to hold ourselves to this um, concept of, of building smart goals, right? Specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time-bound. And that's what the acronym stands for. And um, and really, and, and for me, bridging in um, sort of uh, community organizing concepts, which is pairing these goals with strategies to achieve them. And I know that, you know, some of these things we've, we were able to already implement, um, right on those the last two pages, but I'm hoping that you know we can really build to that um, where these goals are are mapped out in that way, and we have strategies to right to line up how we're going to achieve that, um, and and really again right that time bound part is actually setting putting together specific numbers to try to reach that goal. But I, I think um, a layer to this is also. Um, right. And it's, I feel like this is so indefinitely, this is so clear, right. From that one pie chart where it's just that uh, one classified member who's a Filipino hire, yeah. um, is that these pie charts, I think, um, it's, it's, it's useful if the person is looking carefully at the chart, but I think it can be very deceptive, um, and can maybe be taken out of context, right? If you don't look at the actual number. And so I'm actually hoping that maybe in the future, instead of a percentage, we see the number, right? The number, that that individual number, number. right? The number, like it's one person there, right? Um, just so it doesn't get misconstrued um, because I think, right, I don't want these these fallacies to, to one, paint the college in um, a way that is untrue, um, and also take away from the progress that we make um, as we go along, because I think what 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 we do know is that one, um, especially like when we look at like slides forty four through fifty five, right? They're really good snapshots of the current demographic makeup uh, of each employee group and subgroup. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, we can't expect we sh it is it is legally it, it would be illegal <laughs> because of um, labor contracts and and labor laws, right? Um, for us to see a dramatic change, you know, in in one or two years, right? That's not possible, right? It's it's built in to protect seniority. What we do want to see is progress, and so I think the hope is that, um, you know, as we as we really put together data across the years and put in 
uh, timeline and strategies to, to achieve those goals is we can actually see that progress. I think another thing for me is um, I, I remember talking to former academic Senate um, president um, Simon Hansen about this, and he mentioned that perhaps one of the issues is retention, yeah. right? As, and um, and just really connecting to what VP Martinez was talking about, right? And, and something I brought up before, um, with trauma stewardship, I think it's really difficult, right? When you're when you're working with students in a population um, that deal with so much trauma and, and hardship, and then you have to, as employees of this this public institution, bear that on top of everything you're dealing with as a person of color, right? I think, um, and then being asked to do all these other <laughs> additional responsibilities, right? Um, really having the support um, to for for individuals to to really right believe that we may not provide the most pay compared to other districts, but for so much of the reason that you stay and so many of our administrators have stayed over the like decades of their lives is that city college is something special. But I, I also wanna push back against, um, I, like I really wanna drive this narrative and understanding um, for the live, the, the, basically the amount of lives that we touch, right? For all the faculty members, for all the staff that come through city college and move on to be an SF State professor, um, you know, or or at other colleges, having that understanding that they we were their stepping stone, and we are um, that city college is instrumental in why our faculty across California are this diverse, right? And I I really want us to be able to collect that data, and like you know, like face it outward, particularly to um, our, our California legislatures when they, so they, they really second guess, right? If they cut down on city college, what are they doing to, how are they impacting educators, educational institutions across California? Um, so thank you. Thank you, Chair Trustee. Lobos? I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and yield because my, my conversation was gonna be on retention since my focus is on retention, retention for students and, and talking about the same retention focus, but are you? All right, um, I have a few questions and comments myself, but I am a bit worried about time. Um, so I, I think, you, what's the next step for this report? Is it supposed to go to the full board? Is it so? Oh, go ahead. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, generally, you know, um, you look at like um, trustee, uh, what um, Chong was saying, uh, what do you, you know, what are the plans for the future? Mm -hmm. um, Mitra has shared with you the grant that we have, and we're hopeful that that's really gone. And we're also looking at retention. Uh, you know, we, we want to work on campus climate, improve things. We want to see, you know, what we could do to make City College awesome. um, a great place. <laughs> I, I think I just I think the thing that I wanted to add and kind of bring in some of my HR lens is I'm curious to know about what our labor market pool looks like. So I don't know if there's um, data available around that of what the pool is. It's a it's a bit more um, analysis of what our makeup is and then what the available market is. I don't know if you want the city's labor market pool? That it's I think standard wise, it's done with the nine Bay Area counties, yes. but we could do, I don't know, whatever's feasible just to give us a better understanding of how we're faring. Okay. Um, and then I think the other thing that I wanted to bring up was MQs. I don't know too much about minimum qualifications. 
regulations. Um, I know the city is making an effort in revising rules related to MQs. And so I don't know if there's, if that's happening at our level yet. Um, so, so the state has a state minimum qualification book that they put out in those MQs. Now we do have some departments that go above state minimum qualifications. Mm. So we try to look at that to see, okay, is this really a hindrance and I think I sent to you last year that blueprint where we had suggested, you know, some things and a lot of things we have done. You know, we don't ask for the official transcript unless you are selected for the position. We try to uh, make sure we're looking at those uh, added uh, qualifications. What do they what do do they prohibit? Uh, are they a hindrance for minority candidates? So we do do some of that. We do look at some of that. Okay, I but, think... but the state determines the minimum clause for faculty. I see. Okay, um, and then I have a few more things, but we're running out of time. And I saw that President Sapienza also, and then Chancellor Martin. Yeah, I just wanted to add very quickly the full title to our grant that the the grant that we just just to kind of address some of the comments. So the full title is the Humanizing Resources Project. Hire, retain, celebrate employee excellence. So it's not just about hiring. No. It's about the full, the full growth of our employees. And also, as, as ABC Star has articulated, creating a campus climate where we're really taking care of the employees that we currently have in a way that makes us want to grow uh, in multiple directions. Thanks. Thank you. And I also want to commend you all for that grant because I was looking it up and I was going to say, did we apply for this grant? And that was going to be a part of my points. And then I read this and of course you all did. And of course you were awarded. So congratulations on that. Chancellor? Uh, yes, Chair Justine. To answer a, a question a few minutes ago, I don't believe there is a next uh, defined stop So for this presentation. So in listening uh, to this very important conversation, a potential recommendation through the chair would be to uh, bring the presentation back next month to continue the dialogue, uh, because this is something that can be ongoing uh, for as long as the trustees would like to talk about it. All right. Okay, thank you. Thank you for that. Um, yes, Vice President Martinez. Uh, I was just looking to see who from the board is in this committee, because it, it might be, we might want to consider bringing this to the full board and not just to a subcommittee, so that all of the board can hear the presentation. Um, I was thinking that too. Um, I'm okay with that. I think that we have a pretty packed agenda for next week. So I don't know if it can be next week. And then um, I, I'm open to that. So I, I think the recommendation is not for next week, but at some point, is that right? Yes, okay. Great. We will take that into consideration. Um, so Chancellor Martin, given that we are 10 minutes over and I do see Kristen, I know you're probably here for the good old board policies and I'm so sorry to have you all waiting. Um, would, do we need to table this item or um, do you think we can, I, I, I don't know if we have substantive discussion on it. So so if I may, Chair Chisty, these are uh, policies that have gone through our governance process. Uh, they will, uh, pending uh, any concerns from the subcommittee this afternoon, go to uh, the board next week for 
uh, a full review and potential approval. Uh, we'd be happy to answer any questions, but we don't necessarily have a presentation uh, as we were just seeking any questions the subcommittee may have prior to uh, requesting it for next week's full board agenda. Okay, so I am going to, oh, thank you so much, ABC Star. So I am going to go ahead and call items 5A um, through C together and um, and just to, uh, I guess I would invite Kristen to do a quick presentation and um, just also want to prime board members that this item will be going to the full board next week in the interest of time. Thank you and good evening. I think that the agenda items are pretty self-explanatory, um, but I'm certainly happy to take any questions that you have. Essentially, as you know, we've been going through pretty extensive review of our board policies and administrative procedures. Some of those need a closer review than others. Um, one of the items before you, actually, we're not recommending any changes to the board policy, and that is board policy 2.18 on institutional planning. What you have is a revised administrative procedure that accompanies that, um, but we nonetheless would like you to, to reaffirm that. Uh, the, first, the first item, board policy 1.15, does have some, some revisions to it. And again, is accompanied by an administrative procedure, which is actually new. We've never had one before. Um, that's again just provided to you as an information item. Um, I don't know if if Dean Kuiper would like to say anything about five point two three. That one is the probably the most pressing of the three. Five point two three is um, a policy that um, we need for our athletics programs. It also addresses legislation that we are to have a board policy talking about um, our Title IX and how we move towards it through athletics and also addresses name, image, and likeness. We're supposed to have a policy on that and uh, the legislation actually mandated that we have that a year and a half ago as a board policy and administrative procedure. Thank you so much. Um, and I apologize that this item was so late. We should have actually put it earlier. So that's a growth experience for me, learning experience. But thank you so much for all of your work on this. Um, Linda, do we have any public comment? Okay. Um, any really, really quick comments? Really quick. Um, I, I just want to ask, I'll make this really quick. The ask is for um, board policy 1.15. I noticed that there's a 10 plus one uh, mention for academic senate. I would like to add an additional language to include the students' input, the nine plus one rights. Um, to where so the, the the suggestion is right the standard review process allows for participatory governance um standing committees input where applicable and constituents input and then i would recommend if we could uh, like the double dash particularly student input as codified by student nine plus one rights and through the understanding that almost all board policies and administrative procedures have a direct and or indirect impact on students 
and then double dash again. That's my recommendation. I'll write that to you in an email so you don't have to. Um, Thank you. And then if I may <laughs> take it um, in, in a group and with regards to um, BP and AP 5.23, I'm actually really concerned, um, even though it's under Title IX and it, we're in California, actually I read into the triple CAA bylaws and I actually found that it was actually kind of troublingly pseudoscientific invases and, and kind of hormone therapy obsessed about transgender, um, yeah, about transgender athletes having to go undergo hormone therapy in for a period of time in order for them to play, to, to play in in the gender that um, they were not right assigned in birth at, which I found incredibly homophobic and trans transphobic. So sorry, incredibly transphobic. And I think um, my hope is actually that I know that there were quotes about specific subsections um but because because of how transphobic it is i'm actually wondering if we can be a little bit more broad knowing that these bylaws can potentially change because i actually want to enlist former trustees um alex randolph and tom Temprano to actually talk to our california legislators to really write exorcise that this this transphobic language in these bylaws um, yes, we we saw this too, and our um, representatives to to this body have been trying to get that language changed. But I guess my ask is that instead of going into that detail at our board policy where we have to go circle back and change that, can we just simply say that we're going to abide by these, you know, triple CAA bylaws and not go into those details within our within our um, board policies. We can change the language to say that we will abide by the uh, by the language. Just generally, great. Thank you, yeah. thank you, Dean Quaker. All right, thank you so much, Trustee Chung. Um, so I guess there's um, uh, is there a motion to move? Um, um, this is an action item, right? So a motion to move um, A through C. Um, with amendments to A and C to the full board as amended. So moved. So moved. Oh, second. Right. Oh, okay, wait. Uh, so that was moved by student trustee Villalobos, seconded by um, trustee Chung. And so this will appear on the May 18th board agenda as amended. Great. All right, moving on to item six, future agenda items. We have a lot in the queue, um, so seeing none, all right. Um, before I adjourn, I also just really want to thank um, Bima. I know we were having some technical difficulties, so really appreciate you all for troubleshooting and just like, this is a learning curve for all of us. I appreciate you all so much and also to grace those some straight stressful stuff you were doing there. So thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for everybody for coming. We are adjourned at 747. All right.